Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bo, and myself discuss the gospel in a three-part series as we define it and talk about its application for the church. Welcome to the Being Lutheran podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bowe, and I have with me... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Brian Rickey. All right. Yes, we are rolling in our in-between section as we continue to flesh out and look at uh, and prepare to really dive into the Apostles' Creed. And so today we're talking about the gospel, which is awesome. Yay! Yeah. Hooray! Right. Yeah, the gospel. Uh, <laughs> and it's maybe a painful thing that we have to stop for a moment, take a step back, <laughs> and clarify the gospel for the church. Sure. But yeah, I think it's tragic more than painful. Yeah, yeah it's right. it's and, awful. and you know, especially in in our day where, and I, I think I said this in a sermon or a Bible study recently that gospel has become an adjective and yeah. just throw it on and attach it to words gospel centered, gospel this or that. Gospel, gospel is it's become almost like a buzzword that yeah, it absolutely is. in a moralistic right. sense, though it's almost become a verb, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and in, a, in a sense, yeah, it, it right. is, it is, sure. you know, as we apply the gospel. But the gospel message, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, we're already getting into definitions. That's good. Man. Yeah, well, yeah. that's what we want. And you know, it's the Babylon Bee really captured this. It's one of the first articles they posted, and I just about fell off my chair <laughs> in my office when I read it. But it was the headline was something like "Pastor declares every possible activity yeah. to be a ministry or right. to be a valid ministry." And, and gospel it, golfing ministry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is the thing in the church that you put the word "gospel" in front of it, you can't disagree with it. Because then you're opposed to the gospel, which is why at my church, I am constantly, mm-hmm. constantly saying, if you say the word gospel, it demands a definition mm-hmm. in the church today. You can't, the, 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 the term gospel is mm-hmm. so empty in our particular context yeah. that you need to define it. You need to say what the gospel is to know that you're on the same page with someone you're discussing gospel with. Gospel music, gospel singer. Yeah. I wonder why they, I guess I've never thought of that. Why? Why would they? It became a title like Kleenex or Coke. Quite frankly, I mean, let's just be honest with you. It, you know, as we've dumbed down uh, the gospel, and as the devil works on leadership in the church, I'm just going to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. That consumeristic thing. Don't get me started. But but (laughs) it became a title much like Coke. Actually, build a. You know, because you go down south. You know, you can order a Dr Pepper or Pepsi, but it's still a Coke. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and then every facial tissue is a Kleenex Kleenex. because it's a brand name. And unfortunately, it's become a brand name to identify things. Mm -hmm. And I think gospel has replaced this idea of church things, which is why you have gospel music, Mm because it originated in the church. church. A gospel ministry is something we just think the church ought to be doing, Mm -hmm. rather than what the actual gospel is. Do, 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 do. That's the message, you know, and it's awful, and I love... When Jesus just kind of like laid it out there in John 6, and they asked him, what must we be doing to be doing the works of God? Mm-hmm. And his answer was, believe. Yep. Believe yep. that I am the Son of God, yep. and that I am your Messiah and Savior. Yep. Believe. And, and you know, while while we kind of tease the, the use of gospel, like gospel-centered especially, um, I, I want to caution us in saying, as Lutherans, there's something noble about 
the emphasis on gospel is maybe it's gone off rail here or there. Um, I think it's maybe a lot of Calvinistic brothers that use that sort of lingo, mm-hmm. uh, gospel-centered or gospel coalition. You know, mm-hmm. there there are things like that where there's been a they they maybe see the overemphasis on the law yep. and are swinging back on the pendulum to focus more on the gospel. So I, I don't want to poo-poo it too much, but we want to acknowledge, we don't want to wholesale dismiss something like that. Uh, we want to uh, chew the meat, spit out the bones, yep. and as Lutherans present the systematic, present the the way it really is or really should be. Yeah, and it's funny, you know, last, you know, session we had, we talked about the Trinity. We started with God. Who is God? God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yet these three are one. And like that, with the Word of God, mm-hmm. it has both law and gospel. It's very much like yeah. Jesus, the Word, capital W, two distinct natures, yet mm-hmm. one undivided person law and gospel. Mm-hmm. Fancy that. I think that's what John maybe meant when, when, he, when he wrote. I think, I think Luther just pumped his fist in the grave. Yeah, it's good. Uh, you're right about wanting to be gospel-centered. Yeah. And, and in fact, the entire church and the entire Christian life is gospel-centered. You go to 1 Corinthians 2, 2, Paul uh, writes that I decided to do nothing among, mm. nothing among you except Jesus Christ, Christ and him crucified. And as a systematic theologian, um, I teach that it's the cross, the gospel is the center of all theology, all, uh, you know, everything we know about God is, is based on the gospel. In mm-hmm. fact, you know, going back to the Trinity, we don't know God the Father except as he is revealed in his word, God the Son. And so you have God revealing it in the spoken written word, but also revealing in the incarnate Christ, the incarnate word. Uh, and we have all of these things. And so the gospel is the center, but we're already starting to touch on things that the gospel isn't. So before we <laughs> kind of go off those, we haven't defined a gospel yet. You yeah. know, we're breaking a rule. The gospel is the forgiveness of sins right. on account of Jesus Christ for believers, for those mm-hmm. who have faith. It's, it's, it's free. It doesn't require anything. It's you're fully forgiven. It's the promise of eternal life washed in the blood of Christ. That's what the gospel is. And the gospel ah, is something yeah. to be <laughs> proclaimed right. yeah. and yeah. applied. So is that what you know Jesus meant in Luke where he says, go and, and proclaim the message of mm-hmm. repentance for the forgiveness yeah. of sin? Is that really Absolutely. what he meant? Yep. Yeah, right. Yeah, because we maybe mentioned this a little bit, but sometimes uh, it, the confusion with it can be be where people say they they want to live the gospel or live it out. Um, or go and live in the gospel. Li- yeah, and I, I think maybe, the, like, like other things too, there's probably a meaning to that that yeah. is good and right, but, but we're not being careful with our lingo No, it's language. more than an edifice or a, a structure. You know, you, and when you start saying stuff like that, you almost think, well, then I got to go to church, so then I'm living in the gospel, and that's... Mm-hmm. Not the case at all. Well, and, and so to put the best construction on it, mm-hmm. which is what we would want to do, is when someone says go live in the gospel, go live in light of the gospel. Yeah, live right. your life informed by the gospel that your performance... As a result of the effect of the yeah, gospel exactly. in your life. Is, is that your performance on a day-to-day basis has nothing to do with your salvation. That's 
probably the best place we can go. The problem with that, as we discussed several times when we were talking about the Ten Commandments, is the gospel doesn't tell us how to live. Mm-hmm. Because, again, now focusing on the gospel and not on the law aspect of it, the gospel forgives sins. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what Paul was talking about in Romans 12, 1 and 2. You know, as we, t- we, we quote it all the time that we t- are to live as living sacrifices. But the gospel, the freedom that Christ brings through the gospel, uh, the freedom of the victory of Christ Jesus, that all sins, past, present, and future, you're declared innocent in the sight of God. We are clothed in Christ's righteousness. We are declared innocent and we are set free because when the sun sets you free, help me out, we are free indeed. Mm -hmm. But in that freedom, that inspires us. Mm-hmm. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, that enables us to allow God to transform us from the inside out and then apply the gospel and then live out First Peter chapter 2, 9, to be that priesthood of all believers, to, to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, not because we have to, but because we get to in the freedom of Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. From there, then, we can talk about what the gospel isn't. Mm-hmm. We know what it is, and in one of the first things we brought up is that the sense that the gospel is a different uh, or an opposite word to the law, mm-hmm. that the two are opposed to each other. And that is a major error that's mm-hmm. going on in the church right now. And, and what it does is it tempts us to want to get rid of the law so we only hear the good news. But that's not what the gospel does. The, no. God's word is always working together to deliver us Christ, to deliver us his promises, to deliver us his will. Yep. Uh-huh. And that's varying degrees of antinomianism, something that yeah. uh, Luther addressed and talked about. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the opposite response to that is the same error. Legalism mm-hmm. is to think that we have too much gospel and we need to rein it in. And, you know, I've known pastors in my life who, uh, who <laughs> seemingly or admittedly are afraid of preaching too much gospel. Uh, they're afraid uh, maybe... I could say it. I don't even really want to say it. The the best intention uh, of being afraid of forgiving unrepentant sin, of comforting Hmm. uh, someone in in their sin, but that's not how the gospel works. Mm -hmm. The gospel never, ever comforts unrepentant sin. The gospel comforts the repentant. The gospel comforts the terrified. Doing that, they're they're almost taking upon themselves the role of the Holy Spirit. Amen. uh, That's what I was going to say. To try to apply specifically the law or the gospel to a person? When we are properly preaching God's word in law and gospel, you know, always ending with the sweet gospel and the freedom of Christ Jesus, when that is preached properly, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit does the work. And we we can't manipulate that. Mm-hmm. And nope. I think pastors want to. They they think <laughs> that for some reason they bring something to the table. Yep. So but idolatry. quite frankly, if I if I thought for any moment that I brought something to the table, I need to quit. Yeah. You know, that's why every prayer of every sermon I ever preach, I always say, may every word that proceeds from my mouth be from you and not from me yep. through the powered ministry of your Holy Spirit, through, you know, according to the Holy Word of God and not from myself. Mm-hmm. I have nothing to offer anyone. Luther, had, I think it's called Luther's sacristy prayer, has something like that. And end it says, Lord, if you abandon me, it will all come to naught. Mm-hmm. It's not me. It's, it's the word of God. But we, we absolutely do this. And I remember a friend of mine relaying a conversation he was having with another pastor who said, mm-hmm. I only preach the gospel by invitation because I don't want to comfort someone uh, who is secure in their sins. What do, what do you mean by invitation? Like yeah. saying, uh, I invite you to believe, or I invite oh, you to receive this. Just I see. literally using the word invitation here. Now, uh, again, because we want to be clear, it is entirely proper in, in if the situation calls for it to do a gospel 
invitation. Sure. Uh, but that's not the only way to preach the gospel. In fact, I would say more frequently, we must just simply declare the gospel. Yeah. Preach, it, preach it into the people. Yeah. Because what, what, you know, in that, that truth of, of invitation, I always use Christ's words and his invitation, you know. Come unto me, all e- you who are weary. Exactly. Yep. Stand at the door and knock, stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. using scripture itself to be that invitation because mm-hmm. it's so easy to want to m- manipulate things. And we might have the best intentions in that, but we have to understand that that's not our role. Mm-hmm. And we have to understand that we are the servants. God is indeed the master and it's his work. Salvation is his work and his work alone. And the best thing I can do is be a really good funnel for his word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in that conversation, he says he only preaches the gospel by invitation so that he doesn't comfort uh, secure sinners. My friend, in a, in a moment of very profound wisdom, mm-hmm. turned the tables on him gently, not you know, uh, abusively or, or even harshly. Uh, but he said, in that case, you can't ever preach the law. Yeah, and the and the pastor said, "What are you talking about?" He said, "Because you almost you also might be crushing someone who is <laughs> afraid of their sins." And I said, "So he said he said to him, he said, so you've effectively paralyzed yourself as a yeah, preacher, right?" And he said, "Better just declare what the word of God says, uh, and and the God the word of God uh, condemns sin." Let out that caged lion. Yeah, and the word of God forgives sins, and it mm-hmm. forgives sins. Absolutely. I mean, you mm-hmm. have promise like First John 2, 1 and 2, and I write these things to you so you may not sin. Yeah. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate uh, with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Mm-hmm. He is the propitiation for our sins, but not only for our sins, but also the sins of the whole world. Uh, I think that's the thing that terrifies us. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Christ, everyone's sins yep. are forgiven. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have a question. So as we thought about the definition of the gospel as you gave that, mm-hmm. um, and we used mm-hmm. Luke's text as, mm-hmm. as kind of a foothold for that, in that the gospel is the repentance for the forgiveness of sins, how does that play out in the life of the believer, mm-hmm. and how is that connected to the sacrament of the Lord's Supper? Oh, boy. <laughs> love this. Uh, the the gospel is given to us in such a way that the product of the gospel is always assurance of salvation. Mm-hmm. Amen. It's it's the gospel is external, mm-hmm. uh, so that we can't corrupt it with um, our tainted sinfulness. Uh, and the gospel is absolute. Uh, it means that it doesn't come to us in conditions. Uh, it doesn't put us on a sliding scale with God where we're more forgiven some days and less forgiven other days. You know, so that externality, that objectivity, and that absoluteness produce uh, assurance of salvation. So even simply a gospel declaration mm-hmm. should comfort us and, and, and give us assurance. Mm-hmm. Something like 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, God himself is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's yeah. the promise you've confessed. Now you are forgiven. Uh, and what the sacraments do uh, is twofold. Is they actually apply the gospel, and, and if we're gonna if we're gonna verb the word gospel, the <laughs> sacraments are gospeling us. They're they're forgiving us, right? Amen. Baptism regenerates. It creates faith and forgives sin. Uh, the Lord's Supper is you are being in that moment cleansed by the body and blood of Christ, because wherever the body and blood of Christ are, there is forgiveness for your sins. But the byproduct of the sacraments is always assurance of salvation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a proclamation, you know, Paul reminds us of that. And through the things that you just described, 
That is proclaiming Christ. It mm-hmm. is preaching the saving gospel of Christ yeah. for the forgiveness of sins. It's it's simply the sacraments are the simply the word doing what the word of God is designed to do. It just happens to be attached to a physical element to add that assurance yep. of salvation. And the way I've taught it to my college students, to the Bible school students, and and to people at my congregation, it, it, in highlighting the assurance of salvation aspect of the sacraments is when you talk about baptism, say, examine your life. Has there ever been a time in your life where you've doubted that you're a child of God? You look at the evidence and you conclude, boy, I don't know if I'm a child of God right mm-hmm. now. The, 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 the blessing and comfort of baptism is that God himself, apart from your cooperation, made you a child of God. Mm-hmm. You know, there's comfort and assurance in that. When I doubt, when I see my sinfulness, it's and that, taking out of the subjective realm and into yep. the objective realm, and and what that does is not not comfort me uh, it's, it's securely in my sin, but it drives me to repentance because I know I'm going to be forgiven. You know, in in apart from assurance of salvation, there is no logical reason why we would admit that we're sinners before an almighty, all powerful God. There's no reason we would do it. I know. That's one thing I stress as we participate in the Lord's Supper is that we're doing this in the freedom of Christ, in the victory mm-hmm. of Christ. We're resting in that. And yeah. we are doing this because we have the privilege in the freedom of Christ to confess our sin to a Savior who has paid it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just you know, understanding that reality uh, is huge for people. And it really brings people out of that bondage and allows them to then apply the gospel in a way where it stems from love, not obligation, guilt, or shame. That we are inspired and enabled through the love of God in Christ Jesus in us and working through us through the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And the communion works similarly to baptism in that way. If you ever confessed sin and then wondered if you were sincere in that confession, you ever wondered if you didn't confess your sin just so you wouldn't get caught by someone else or, you know, things like that. Communion is God's promise and declaration that in this moment in history, Mm -hmm. you have been forgiven. That you walk out of church on Sunday and say, I was forgiven right here. Mm -hmm. That's when it happened so that you have assurance. And that word remembrance reminds us of that, to bring forward the great sacrifice of Christ. And so the gospel is something that we need ongoing. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I recently compared the gospel. Sometimes people think maybe just the regular church-going Christian would think the gospel is what I need for merely entrance into mm-hmm. relationship with God. Yeah, conversion yep. experience. and kind of compared it to a, a pass to a, a park or something where you need the ticket to get in. And mm-hmm. once you get in the park, you throw away the ticket or put it in your backpack and forget about it. Um, the gospel isn't like that. It's something that we need every day as, well, as we live in repentance and faith in that ongoing back and forth yeah. of, yeah. I've often wondered that maybe that's why the Lord chose water. Because water, we need it every day. Water is a vital aspect to life. It's a mm-hmm. vital uh, aspect. And all throughout Scripture, there's this wonderful, this wonderful imagery of water, of streams of living water flowing from the throne of God, flowing from mm-hmm. the cross of Christ. And as water brings us new life in baptism, it sustains and preserves us mm-hmm. in life in Christ Jesus. Yeah, good. Yeah. Not that I'm suggesting to be rebaptized. I'm not <laughs> suggesting that there was one Brian, baptism. You heard it today. But, yeah, Brian advocates right. exactly. daily no, baptism. I do not. I do not. But no. But just that picture of water. 
yeah. that refreshing life-giving life water. Yeah. Well, and there's so much images, and, and I think that's part of the beauty of the sacraments is not only is there the spiritual absolute truth, mm-hmm. which we would do well to make prime, primary and in, 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 in emphasize that, but the, the imagery and the symbolism underneath the sacraments, again, that's not the primary aspect of it. You, you have the life-giving nature of water, which is a part of it. You also have the destructive nature of water, which is drowning our sinful nature. Uh, you have the celebratory nature of the bread and wine uh, that we are feasting with Christ, but you have sustenance there too mm-hmm. uh, with the basic necessities of a meal. You have all of these things, again, used to communicate the gospel and, and, and the ongoing need for that nourishment. And, and you know, part of my personal testimony mm-hmm. is that is I was uh, in part denying myself that and being denied that uh, in, in the ministry I was receiving uh, that continued application is a lot of what I heard growing up, um, especially in my college years, was go out and do a better job now. Jesus has mm-hmm. saved you. What are you going to do for Jesus? Mm. And and that ends up being poisonous, and that's not the gospel. No, it's manipulative, and quite frankly, I just I get offended mm-hmm. by that type. Of, and, yeah. and that's the tragic thing in the church right now. It is where we have really confused that, and that is a confusion of law and gospel, and it becomes moralism. Mm-hmm. Yep. But um, since we haven't said it yet, though, it does apply to vocation, vocation. doesn't it? <laughs> yes, <laughs> that'll have to be the next episode. Amen. <laughs> Well, since we're talking about assurance of faith, I, I believe this is a great verse for that set of verses. Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on iTunes. Please join us next week as Pastor Jason, Pastor Brett, and myself continue our discussion on the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. God bless you and have a great week.